Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, it feels like it's been about three and a half weeks since the Bucks played a game against the Dallas Cowboys, but it hasn't been that long, and yet they're going to play on Sunday. Game two, Atlanta Falcons come to town. 4 p.m. game at Raymond James Stadium, and somehow this Steve Versnick, this feels like an absolute mismatch. And a mismatch, I can't say it. Uh, and I, I somehow think it's going to be a close game. Something about it tells me that the Falcons are going to come in here after not scoring a touchdown. I think last week and losing to the Philadelphia Eagles at home, they're going to come in here and give the Bucks everything they can handle, and then some. Well, you wonder. You know, it's it's a divisional game. So while there's a new coaching staff there and such, you know these teams know each other. The personnel know each other. Mm-hmm. You, the Bucks are have a little long. I mean, it's hard to believe a week ago, as we're taping this Thursday night. It was a week ago the Bucks were playing right now. Incredible. Uh, it feels like it's been longer than that. It really does. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. It does. Um, so you know the layoff for the Bucks. Now I mean they're back at practice. Atlanta's got to be ticked. They didn't even score a touchdown. Right. Um, you feel you know you think they're going to come in motivated. It's their shot to get to get the Super Bowl champs. Dallas had a shot to beat them. I mean, we're ahead late. Now, you know, I think that game. You know, if the Bucks don't turn it over four times. It's not even that close. But oh, right. Yeah. But you know, kudos to the Bucks for turning it over four times and still winning the game. That doesn't happen very often. And a negative three, you know, turnover differential. They, you know, they only forced one themselves. So. It wasn't yeah. like the other team forced three, had three or four, and it was even up. You know, it it, it definitely feels like a mismatch. I, I find it hard to figure out how Atlanta's going to keep it close, but it's yeah. the NFL, and right. you know, most games aren't blowouts in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I've always thought Week One is a liar. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not, but I mean, I can remember, and I always harken back to Brady again when you know, two thousand three. I'm sitting in Philadelphia because the Bucks. Are going up there to you know to open the season even as a Super Bowl champion they had to go open the season at Philly they closed the vet opened the link and I'm watching Sunday games and the Patriots go to Buffalo and it wasn't a particularly great Buffalo team it was an okay Buffalo team I mean whenever they've been great right when they had Jim Kelly so it was it was after that so started the 2003 regular season they got beat 31 to nothing nothing like it was a complete I was like I was stunned I was like oh my God the Patriots are going to stink this year. They went on to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they were they had a great year, and um, and I'm and that's the extreme. Okay, I understand that. It's just, and I'm not picking the I'm not picking the Falcons to make the playoffs. I'm not saying that I'll be surprised if if this is you know I think the the spread is like eight eight and a half something like that. But I just know that you know when you play each other two times a year, and you know the biggest problem they're going to have is that they're just new, right? They got a new scheme, new coaches, some new players, and and that's that's just something that they'll have to deal with. They'll be better at the end of the year than they are now. But when you're on the grass with guys that you see twice a year, like there's there's no sort of you're not in awe. And I'm not saying the Cowboys were, but the familiarity is such that 
you're not just watching these guys on film. You felt them on the grass. You've 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 gone up against these guys, and so the fear factor is gone. I mean, there were not that long ago, and we're we're going to write about this on Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. You know, the Bucks came off the bye week, and everybody talks about how well you know after the bye week. Well, after the bye week, they played Minnesota and didn't play a great game. Uh, if you remember, the Vikings missed a bunch of field goals that day. They wound up winning the game, and it was relatively close. Minnesota, not a very good team. Then they go to Atlanta, and they're down seventeen to nothing at halftime. I mean, they they can't you know cover anybody. Uh, Matt Ryan's bombing away. Uh, you know they can't they can't get a first down. And we were all thinking at halftime like this this season's imploding right now, right here. You know, they're running out of games. And that's when Jason Pierre-Paul, I guess, kind of went nuclear in the locker room, um, the leader that he is, and, and said, you know, this this has to stop. Like, we're we're going to do anything. We have to go out here and, and just dominate the second half. Brady spoke, I think, a little bit. And that's when Brady came back. I think he threw five touchdown passes in the second half. <laughs> and uh, remember, Devin White got off. He had three sacks in the second half. And uh, and they wound up winning going away. And from then on, the coaches say, you know, we were in attack mode offensively. That's when we decided, hey, let's just go after people. You know, we can do this. You know, I think it helped that Antonio Brown had been there a while at that point, so he became more of a player that day and, and going forward. But, you know, my point being that Atlanta has always had talent. Um, it's it's going to take them a little while. But, look, whether it's Arthur Smith, Arthur Blank, B. Arthur, it doesn't really matter. Like, uh, you know, you got new coaches, but you have good coaches. Arthur Smith knows what he's doing. Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, was with the Patriots for years. I mean, talk about a guy that faced Brady, you know, every day in practice. He was their linebackers coach. I think at one point he might have been their coordinator. Uh, he's, you know, like 72 years old. He's been around forever. So they'll have some wrinkles um, the Bucks will have to play better, you know. They're, you're right; they're not going to get away with losing the turnover battle by three, and then having you know 11 penalties for 110 yards mm-hmm. or something like that. They made a lot of mistakes, and good for them. They won the game, and that's what champions do, you know. You, and Brady's always said you got to find a way to win early, so that when you get to November, that's that's when the teams really separate themselves. And so they found a way to beat a pretty good Dallas team, which since then have just been obliterated by injuries um but by the same token it wouldn't surprise me if the bucks won going away i just think i know how the nfl goes i know that you know week one is a liar and that a lot of the teams that you saw win week one like philly um some others they they may not be heard from again you know um so i I just i'm anxious to see how much better the bucks are coming out in this game because they gave away a lot and they're and they're beat up. I mean, this Sean Murphy bunting thing is not a small thing. Um, losing your a starting corner is tough, and especially a guy that played in the slot. So that you need two players to replace him. Um, you know, Jamel Dean's going to have to play big outside, and then when teams go three wide, I think Ross Cockrell's going to get the first bite of the apple inside. And he had a great camp. You know, uh, had that one day at three interceptions, and you know he's looked really good. But they got options. I mean, they could always move, you know, since they're going to get Jordan Whitehead back, which is huge. They could always move Antoine Winfield down there if they needed to or Mike Edwards. And we know that, you know, Bowles has been pretty exotic already. But it's just, you know, there, there's 
you're seeing it around the league. There's guys getting hurt every day. Um, it's a long season. It's 17 weeks. So, you know, the the 2000 and 2021 season has begun, and I think 2020 has been put away, and they're going to have to earn their way just just like they did a year ago. Well, I can tell you that the Bucks are favored by 12.5 points. It's the second biggest 12 spread. 12.5. Yeah, it's the wow. second biggest spread this week. The Browns over the Texans is 13. Wow. So wow, wow, wow. You know, Vegas and the, the betting money is saying you know, the Bucks are going to win big. And, and look, I think they are. I think, you know, Atlanta's going to try to do what Dallas did and attack, you know, Tampa Bay on the outside. But yeah. I don't think they have the weapons to do it like Dallas. No, did. not quite. They you got know. Gage, and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to be interesting to see. Um, they really didn't utilize the tight end, um, the kid from Florida, Kyle all that Pitts. well. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle. Um and he's a he's an unbelievably tough matchup. I mean, if you if you end up one on one with mm-hmm. him, good luck. So you know, they're gonna definitely test their tackling. And we talked to Todd Bowles uh on Thursday and he said, Look, you know, they nothing that happened in that game was a big surprise to us. We had some communication issues because we basically we tackled like it was a preseason game. He goes, We just you know, our technique was bad. Our angles were bad. Um, he goes, so, you know, they're glad they got that behind them. They had a whole game to try to get back into. I think that's one of the hardest things to do these days is that, you know, these teams are almost never in pads. In training camp, they never tackle to the ground. When I was, you know, back in mind, it sounded like the get off the lawn, my lawn guy. I'm not advocating three-a-days, but I'll say this. Um they used to tackle guys to the ground in practice. They used to have a couple periods where whether it was goal line or it was just, you know, it was like we're going live, right? And you never want to get a guy hurt. And that, that's obviously why they don't do it anymore. But I think I think it's a lost art, you know, mm-hmm. when uh, uh, when you try to go out there in a regular season game and you have not – and you're like, well, these guys have played football since they're eight years old. Of course they know how to tackle. Eh, mm-hmm. not, yeah, but not you, players that big, that fast, that strong. And right. when you don't and do it enough, I mean. You don't do it in the off season. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not, you know, going into Publix and tackling somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I what, anything I do, I haven't put anybody on the ground since last February 7th. So, you know, of course you're not going to be as good at it when you come back, you know. And, and you usually see that and you see a lot of special teams breaks down. You usually get your big returns in the first mm-hmm. couple of weeks because – all these guys that are playing special teams are what rookies, right? Yep, they're absolute rookies. So I think you see offensive a lot of line play returns. suffers too. Yes, yes, because they're not hitting at all. They can't even have the pads on, and then when they do, um, you know, they don't want to be to beat the crap out of the guy in front of them that's on their team. So, well, an offensive although, line more than almost any other position is about cohesion of five guys, right? And less off-season programs. Less and less, mm-hmm. let alone hitting, yeah. Yeah. but even less reps of just walkthroughs in that. Right as the off-season programs change and the, the preseason's getting shorter and such like that, the offensive yeah. line suffers because it's about five guys working in tandem together. That's true. Yeah, and and you can't you can't do anything if you don't have pads on. You know, there's there's I can't play in in, in underwear. That does me no good. Um, about the offensive line, I was really impressed with those guys. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they came out, uh, you know, was the Marcus Lawrence or whatever, you know, they had several good players on another team in the, on the Cowboys, but 
They dropped back more than 50 times, Tom Brady did. Do you know they're one of only two teams in the first week that didn't give up a sack? Did not give up a sack. That's pretty stellar. Those five guys are pretty darn good, you know? I mean, for him to drop back 50 times, and again, you know you know where he is, and I think that actually works to his advantage. I think the you know, the offensive line knows where Tom's going to be, and they can push push people away mm-hmm. from him. But if you go back and look at the protection, I mean, Donovan Smith was putting some people on the ground in pass pro, not in run blocking, but like in pass pro. He was mauling some people. They were really, really good. Now, can you name the other team off the top of your head? Name the other team that did not allow a sack in week one. Hmm. It's not a trick question. I no, mean, I know. I'm trying to though. think who it might be. I'm trying to who's got right. the good offensive obviously, lines. Or... Obviously, they won and they have a decent offensive line. But well, you wouldn't have to win necessarily to do that. Although it, I'll it I'll help. give you the I'll give you that they won the game. The You're game. right. You wouldn't have. How to, about but... the Eagles? No, okay. good guess. Though. I thought maybe good the guess Falcons against that. Yeah, they, I think the Falcons had one sack, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the New Orleans Saints. Okay. <laughs> well, and, now, and, and Jameis. You know what? Five touchdowns, five touchdown passes, no picks. no picks. Now they had the one uh, hit on him that resulted in an interception that they took away because they said it was roughing the passer, which I thought was an egregiously bad call. Um, so Jameis got away with the pick, but he was not sacked. So see, Sean Payton knows how to protect his quarterback, but that's a really good offensive line. Listen, the two best offensive lines in football could be in this division. I'm telling you, folks, the New Orleans Saints, they ain't, they're, they ain't playing now. They're going to be right at the top. It's going to be Bucks and Saints for that division. And it's and, and the Bucks will have to play really well to win it. They'll play, they'll have to they'll have to beat them. Um Jameis is going to get better. I don't know that they're ever going to get Michael Thomas back. They've got enough, you know, other guys that can do stuff. Kamara's great. But the threat of the downfield and that defense and offensive line is terrific. That offensive mm-hmm. line is good. So, yeah, the New Orleans Saints, man. It's going to be a fun division. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't think Atlanta's very good, and I don't think Carolina's going to compete. But the top two, New Orleans and Tampa Bay, yeah. both should be playoff teams. Well, you got Sam Darnold. I mean, you know, I don't. I, Matt Rule's defense is probably a little better after, you know, this mm-hmm. is what, his third year. Uh, when you get Christian McCaffrey back, you're a different team. That, that's true. You know, I mean, having him, I, I saw his first game. It looked like he had uh, well over 100 yards rushing and receiving. Uh, he could do both. So he's just so, it's so balanced when he, but he's. Yeah. I'm not he's sold with Sam Darnold's big the answer, off. but. No, maybe I mean, I, not. I think he'll do better in Carolina than he did in New York, just because I think yeah. everything around him is better. But. Yeah. And he beat the Jets. So, I mean, yeah. again, week one is a liar. I know. It's just. You know, he didn't. He didn't. You know, that was a revenge, revenge game for him and some others. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, obviously Atlanta and Carolina should be the bottom two, and your top two should be New Orleans and Tampa Bay. And the question is, can either of those other two teams, Carolina or Atlanta, knock off the Saints? You know, can they go mm-hmm. into New Orleans? Can they, you know, can they go into Tampa and win? And that's you know, that's where the division is going to be decided, along with the two games they play each other, obviously, but. They don't play each other until Halloween night in New Orleans, right before the bye, I believe. Very yeah, interesting. Halloween in uh, New Orleans. That could be very interesting. Yeah, you know, I've seen. Listen, there's a couple days you probably don't want to be in New Orleans, especially on the French Quarter. Um, I've been to most of them. I haven't been to Mardi Gras, so I got to I gotta take myself out of that. That's got to be absolutely crazy, right? Uh, been there on New Year's Eve. 
nuts. Just loco, okay? People jammed like you can't believe. Um, been there at a Super Bowl on the, on the Saturday night before Super Bowl. Also nuts. Feels a lot like New Year's Eve. And then I've been there on Halloween. And the most frightening thing about being there on Halloween is that whatever is done to you, you can't identify anybody because everybody's wearing a mask. And I don't mean the kind for COVID. I mean, like, they're all, like, wearing freakishly weird masks and running around and doing stuff and pickpocketing and all kinds of stuff, man. It's crazy, you know, grabbing people. I mean, it's just, it's wild. So I will be uh, in whatever hotel room I'm assigned and not going out that night. That That is. We'll be doing a podcast. That's right. We will be doing a podcast. You're right. You know, the other thing about Halloween is when did it become an adult holiday? Like, when did this happen? Like, years ago, right? Oh, yeah, it's been years ago, yeah. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I had kids when I was fairly young, and so it's always been about trick-or-treat to me. But now, now it's not for kids. It's for adults. And the weirdest thing would be, like, when you would go on the road, as we would often do over all these years, and, you know, Halloween might be on Sunday, right? Or it might be on Monday. I don't know. Uh, but you'd be on the road for Halloween weekend, Okay. So on Saturday night, the night before the game, we might go out and have dinner, maybe maybe find a drink or two somewhere. And you go into a place, and, like, you're the only one in the place who doesn't have on a costume. You know how weird that feels? It's like you're not the normal guy all of a sudden. And then people are looking at you like, what's his problem, you know? Well, my problem is I didn't plan on going. I didn't bring a costume <laughs> with me to, you know, to, to uh, another city so I could go out on, on Halloween night. Like, but seriously... I've been in places where I wanted to bar. I would like, I would have bought somebody's like navy cap. You know what I mean? Or so just give me anything. You know, to pretend like I'm dressed up for Halloween. So, yeah, it's a very uncomfortable. Like it's it's like it's like wearing clothes. And I've never done this, but I imagine if you're the the guy that's clothed at a news colony, you probably feel the same way, right? Like you know, what's what's with that guy? Anyway, um. So we got that. Uh, what have, we haven't talked about? Well, the Rays um, won tonight, so their magic number Rays, yeah. falls to eight to win the division, seven to make the playoffs. This thing's over, by the way, right? I mean, they've yeah, won. They got fifteen games to go. Your magic number is eight to win the division. No one, no one could. It would take a, a cataclysmic uh, uh, collapse, right? I mean, you yeah. you couldn't. You just have to go eight and, and this, seven the rest of the way, and the other teams chasing you can go fifteen and zero, and you're in the playoffs. And you're still and you there. The, yeah. I mean, you win the division. Right, right, right. So eight and seven the rest of the way, and, and that is you know assuming they don't lose any. Yeah, and that you includes can kind of s- you know, well you got three teams chasing you. They're basically tied or within a game: New York, Boston, and Toronto. Yeah, Toronto is who you don't want to play, and they're going to make the playoffs. I think. Uh, well, they're the hottest team right now for sure. Would you want to play Toronto with that lineup? And pitching like Robbie Ray and those guys. I mean, they got. Well, some... I mean, here's here's what, uh, and I'll, I'll lean on Neil Solance a little bit. Okay. Robbie Ray has absolutely shoved it up the Rays' butts all year. Yeah, yeah. And he's a lot going, of people. He's probably though. going to again Monday night when they play at the Trop. Yeah. Because he'll pitch again Monday. Yeah. Their bullpen is very susceptible, and the Rays have shown that. Yeah. Um, their lineup is when. You know, if you looked at that series, okay, so Waka and Yarborough gave up a lot of runs. The rest of the bullpen and the pitching staff did fantastic in that Toronto series. Well, they had the three-hit shutout, which was amazing. Yeah, but I mean, but okay, Yarborough gave up the seven runs in one game. The rest of the team you gave know, up Waka, one. The yeah. rest of the team gave up one run in that game. 
Yarborough yeah. in the playoffs is probably not on your roster. That's true. Waka's not on your roster in the playoffs, most likely. That's damn he true. He gave up the other. I mean, you know, the Rays, the Blue Jays have a predominantly right-handed lineup, which mm-hmm. the Rays do very well against. Yeah. So I don't fear the Blue Jays in the playoffs. Now, they're hot right now, and it's going to be hard to generate runs against their starters. Yeah. Barrios and, and, they have and Robbie pitching, Ray. Yeah. I mean, their starting pitching is good. Their bullpen is not. Yeah. You know, the, the, the one thing about the Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays, which at this point is going to be one of the wild card teams. I mean, Oakland and Seattle are still in it, but they're a couple games back. Is The Rays have a lot of familiarity. They know how to get those guys out. And those are predominantly right-handed lineups, which helps the Rays. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to think of who's going to be, you know, pitching. Like I said, is Yarbrough and Waka going to be getting a lot of playoff time in a, in a series against those teams? Probably not. And that's who gave up all the runs against Toronto. I mean, you know, it looked like they gave up a ton of runs and it looks bad. But if you break down who did what in those series against the, the pitchers that are going to be on your playoff roster, most likely, the Blue Jays didn't do a lot mm-hmm. in that series. And they're going to face off again this you know coming week at the Trop again, and we'll see how that works out. But some of this you have to look at, you know, who, who gave up the runs and who did what and you know, so I don't, I don't, you know, I, I look, I think Oakland and Seattle would be tougher matchups for the Rays in the first round for lots of reasons. Familiarity, Seattle shoved it up the Rays' butts all year. Once, mm-hmm. what, six and one? You also have cross country flights if you're playing them, which doesn't help anything, although both teams have it. But, um, you know, but it's most likely it's going to be the Blue Jays, Red Sox, or Yankees in a one game wild card. You know, two out of those three are going to face off, and the winner will face the Rays most likely. Yeah, so know, it's that, barring like... Houston catching up, and they're like four and a half, five games behind the Rays right now. So, mm-hmm. well, it'll be good to get there. They should get what Shane McClanahan should be coming back. He's um, supposed to be activated Sunday, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully, Wander Franco comes back next week. Huge. Um, there was yeah. a shot that Shane Boz was going to be activated for tonight's game to start. Right. Right, I saw that. Um, they contemplated it. Instead, Luis Patino is going to go on his normal rest. They initially were going to give him an extra day. Now, Yarborough will go on Saturday. May start, may go behind an opener. But Shane Boz was scratched from his start in Durham on Thursday. Many thought maybe because of coming up to the big leagues, but it turns out he had some back spasms on Wednesday, so that's not Uh-oh. good. Yeah, you don't um, want that. So we'll see. You know, He may still be a piece you use in the playoffs, even if he doesn't get up in the regular season, uh, pitching-wise, so. Uh, but Patino right. will start Friday. Yarborough will be the bulk guy, whether it's a starter or behind an opener on Saturday. And then McClanahan should be back Sunday. And hopefully Wander's back next week. Nelson Cruz has a right forearm contusion from Thursday night's game. He got hit on the arm. He said that the was X-rays nasty. Were negative. He, he, yeah, the he played X-rays the were next. Negative. He actually played the day after. And uh, I was listening to Dave and Andy. I guess he showed them the welt. They go, man, I don't know how he's playing. It's like it's larger than a baseball, and it's just all multicolored. It's just like, you know, got hit in the wrong spot there, but you know, managed to swing it. So, well, the first thing they got to be is healthy, and then you'd like to see him, you know, finish up strong. And, and I don't know, you know, if they've clinched, I don't know what you do in those games against the Yankees and the Astros to finish the year. Do you? Rest guys, do you go all out? Like, you know, are you trying to develop momentum? Like, I think you'll do? end up doing what you do now. I mean, no guys are playing six days a week. You know, yeah. you're going to play four days that week. Or, yeah. you know, you'll do your normal routine. The pitching staff, 
Look, if you win the division, the good thing is you're not going to play till Thursday. Your last game's Sunday. You don't play until Thursday. Yeah. So you can, you know, set up your pitching staff any way you want. Where if you got to play the wild card game, uh, you know, you've got to you're going to have to play Tuesday night in a winner take all where you've got to use your best pitcher or maybe two of them to, to get through it. I mean, you never know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So you don't get to set up your rotation. So, but the Rays are in good good position. What ninety one wins now? They said they they win eight more games this year, which puts them at ninety nine, and they're guaranteed in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they're guaranteed to win the division. So, yeah, don't you want them to win a hundred though? <laughs> oh no, I, I'm just saying that. I mean, you could just win eight great. more, and you're guaranteed to win. The, no matter if the teams behind you yeah. go fifteen and zero or whatever. No, but, I know, I know. Um, no, I mean they're on pace to go probably what one hundred one, one hundred two at this point. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I definitely would love to see them win hundred, but more importantly, just clinch the division and and doesn't matter. Pref- win preferably, you'd like to have the best record so that you have home field throughout. Best the Best record in the American League would help you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you make it to the championship series, that you would have home field then too. Yeah, I think that's that might be more valuable than you know, than anything, uh, than a hundred wins for sure. So, mm-hmm. it's been a fun year. It's a fun team. I mean, despite what Tony Kornheiser says. Yeah, listen, he's never liked Tampa. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what his deal is. He, he just, he's had, he must have gotten some like bad Cuban sandwich or something here. I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. He well, doesn't, th- doesn't like everybody hate Champa Bay now? So. Well, they're jealous. You know, it's cyclical. I mean, certain cities, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, the arrow is up now. Um, it was for years in Boston. Houston had its run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this L.A. really certainly now is having one themselves. I mean, but it, it you know, it's just been, it's been, listen, it's been a long time since we've seen Champa Bay and anything like this. And it might be another 100 years before we see it again. So enjoy it. Um, it's getting ahead of it, but just think if the Rays, if the Rays were to win the World Series, that would be unprecedented. In I mean, just, be, in just you'd over, you'd be the holder. Yeah. In just over thirteen months, you would have four boat parades, assuming the Rays do a boat parade. Because the Lightning's first one was at the end of September. It may have been early October. Yeah, they won it. Yeah, it was, it was September thirtieth. Was the boat parade? Or was it October? It was either it was I forget what it was September thirtieth or October first, second, whatever was the boat parade. And presumably the Rays would have it in early November. So just over thirteen months you would have four four championships. You you've got the calendar slam is what it is. Oh. You know, we don't have an NBA team, so I, I mean, mean basically Novak Djokovic missed the calendar slam, but the Tampa Bay may get it. The Tampa Bay would own it. You're holding all four, all three of three of the major sport trophies. I mean, you don't have NBA, obviously, but had Toronto done their job, no. then you could have claimed them. You know, you could have claimed <laughs> could have claimed the Raptors, but they didn't get it done. So, yeah, I, Dan Patrick has asked me the other day. He was like, uh, "I just dropped that name." Uh, he asked me the other day about, you know, yeah, Rick, things are things are pretty good down there. I know we make fun of like all oh, the things, it was pretty good. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, it is. That's why you're calling me." Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and especially that that football yeah. team. And the Rowdies have the best record in their conference too. Saw that, yeah. Saw I, that. I went to the game. Uh, was it uh, Saturday night? Was six nothing? The Rowdies won. They were route six routed the, they, the Red Bulls. They missed the yeah, extra they, point. Yeah, right. They still getting good crowds and everything down there. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, um, it was probably three thousand or so, maybe. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, we How had a, it was Hillsborough County Schools night there, so they had discounted tickets for everybody. So we were with a bunch of. 
uh, friends of my sons and mm-hmm. went out there, had a blast. Like anytime you put six goals up, I mean, how do you not yeah, have a blast? And <laughs> soccer, I mean, yeah. Speaking of discounted tickets, I think you can go see a Rays game for ten bucks. Ten dollars, lots too. of t- for the whole homestand, the final homestand here. Tickets yeah. for ten dollars for every game. They call it the John Romano plan. I think is that what it is? As suggested in his column, yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, if you want to uh, cheer on your Rays and uh, as they make a push for the playoffs here, ten dollars you can get in the door. Should definitely do it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, before we get out of here, um, we're going we're gonna to jump back and forth a little bit, jump back to football in the NFL. We haven't talked about. Monday night football, that dun, crazy, dun, dun, dun. crazy game, right? With uh, the the, uh, the the Las Vegas Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens. My, oh, my, did the Raiders try to give that thing away. It was nuts, but uh, you know It's, it's amazing. Since 2015, the quarterback with the most come-from-behind wins in the fourth quarter is Derek, Derek Carr. Derek Carr? By th- really? three more than anybody else. Wow. That's huh. not the name I would have thought. He wouldn't have been in my top no. five or ten five. picks if you gave me. Yeah. Hmm. And I, li- I like Derek Carr as a quarterback. I loved him coming out in the draft. I, I'm i not so sure he's, you know, in the best place, you know, with John probably hating on him all the time. But, I mean, he's probably learned a hell of a lot of football, you know. But how about the pass he made that they thought they won it in overtime? Ugh. And it gets picked off because the receiver bounces right off his hands up in the air. I mean, Derek's yeah. looking at it like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> uh, nothing. And, and that, you know, that brought the whole thing after the game. How about this? How about when they're in field goal range to game, but they can't find their field goal kicker? Well, because they went for it. Because over there warming did, up on the net. Yeah, they decided to go for it on second down, so the field goal kicker's, you know, practicing. He's like, yeah, I ain't coming in for a couple downs yet. Right. And they went on right. second, and, and they didn't have the kicker. No. <laughs> and they didn't have a timeout, which put them back five yards. So then so they, they lost the five yards and then had to, had to call a play and, and end up winning it that way. Yeah. So it was insane. It was just the way John Gruden drew it up. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he was melting down over there. Those are some great faces. He was funny after the game, though. Um, he, 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 he was, he was in, in prime, <laughs> prime Gruden-esque, as you will. He, Gruden, you know, Gruden is tortured anyway, but to see him go through that, like to have a game, win it, had it at one, then then basically throw it away, and then have to go win it again. He, he was like, I'll tell you what, man, I feel like I won that game twice. You know what I mean? I feel like a cat with nine lives. I'm 2-0, and oh, man. But, uh, yeah, he he was uh, – he also he also lost his mind a little bit. So who's the, who's the tight end of the Raiders again? Uh, Waller. Okay, Darren Waller, who's a tr- unbelievable story, right? This guy was like on drugs. He, you know, um, he used to be with the, I think the Baltimore Ravens, if I'm not mistaken, that's where he started. Uh, one of those teams, but anyway, he ended up, you know, now, now he is 
arguably the best tight end in football, or certainly one of them, right? I mean, you got Kelsey, and you know, there's there's a number of other guys that are you know pretty well known. But Waller is phenomenal. Now, they did target him fifty six times <laughs> Monday night. Like, it was it was so stupid. It was like, yeah, there's another pass to Waller. Oh, good, there's a pass to Waller. I mean, it was insane, right? And so inevitably, he had you know he had some yards on his twenty four targets or whatever it was. But after the game, you know, Gruden is asked about him. <laughs> He's just, I mean, John, you know, this was John as an announcer, right? Like any any time there was a player that he was calling a game about, he said, I tell you what, he might be the best third down and six guy I've ever seen. You know, like he'd come up with these <laughs> these weird stats, right? Like might be the best goal line runner. Not good on so, third and five, but third and six. Right, yeah, exactly. He just he would just like categorize guys like, if I have to get a yard, man, that's the, that's the guy I want. So after the game, he goes, Darren Waller's probably the best player I've ever coached. Like, wait, what? <laughs> and then without much trouble, we started, let's, let's go in the way back machine. Not that far back, okay? John coached the Raiders, and he had players like mm, Jerry Rice. How about Tim Brown, okay? Then he goes to the Bucks, and I don't know, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, I think, Rondi Barber. I mean, are you kidding me? Darren Waller's the best player you ever coached? Come on, man. That's a come on, man, right there. They should do that on Monday Night Football. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. But, like, uh I don't know the sap guy you're talking about. I don't know this Brooks guy. I don't know what you mean. Darren Waller. That's the guy. That's the hill you're going to die on, the Waller Hill. Okay, John. What else happened? So we had the Monday night. Oh, we had the Mannings. Uh, did, you watch, did you watch the Mannings? I did. I did. I was. Uh, what did you think? I was mesmerized by it. I liked parts of it. There was sometimes yeah. it got a little off the rails, I thought, and just kind of was kind of rambling time, and though, stuff. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought it was good. I'll watch it again. I think what eight hundred thousand people watched it according to the ratings. That's not bad. Peyton's Compared to hilarious. like fifteen million that watched the regular broadcast, but yeah. Oh, was that was that the breakdown? Not even have a million. They close to a million. Yeah, it was like eight hundred thousand was the rate the Nielsen rating. Some people were complaining about the screen size. Like they thought that the game was was too small because they had you know they had the Mannings on camera and everything. I, that that really didn't bother me. And I guess. You know, the idea is that you're just sort of there sitting there, they're in your living room or you're in their living room or whatever, watching the game and they're commenting. Um, boy, he talked a lot of football, though. Like, there was one part where he was explaining the verbiage in John Gruden's offense and, you know, just what everything means and, you know, um, checking the plays and different. It was very fast. If you're kind of a football nerd, you get a good understanding for just how much quarterbacks have to do in that short window of when they get the plays called in and how much they got to see and communicate. It was really interesting. And then, you know, Lewis comes on and they're talking about how uh, Eli was funny. He goes, my first game, he goes, I think it was, I think it was against Ray Lewis or one of my first games. And he goes, and I'm trying to identify the mic. And I'm like, 52 is the mic. 52 is the mic. And Lewis is like, I'm not the mic. So-and-so is the mic. And then everybody's like, I want to be the mic. And he goes, it was just like, and then Peyton goes, what was your rating that day? He goes, "Uh, I think it was two. His rating was two. <laughs> it was not good because the Ravens were great, you know, back in that that day. But um, yeah, I caught yeah, I, I caught that. parts of it. I liked it when you know they were using the telestrate a little bit and, di- and showing you some yeah. stuff and teach. I yeah. thought at, at times it got a little too 
inside football with some of the guests and the stories and it just kind of yeah. got too far away from the game. I mean, you know, because mm-hmm. some of the stories were good. Some were just, eh, and it kind of got away from it. But then they would get back to yeah. it. Um, I, you know, I saw part of Russell Wilson had some good takes in there. Uh, Ray he was Lewis good, was on yeah. there. You know, it was, uh, you know, some of the jokes between them were great. But uh, I liked yeah. it right before the end of the uh, first half, the fire alarm went off at ESPN. I know. It was crazy, <laughs> man. That was nuts. It's like, what is, is that a fire alarm? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You guys are going to have to get out of there. Yeah, I thought that was oh, pretty funny. Oh, man. Before the game, I guess there was a producer um, for, I, I think, either for ESPN or NFL. I don't know who it was, to be honest with you. I should know this name. But Dan Patrick was talking about how, um, just give you how special Eli or Peyton and those guys are. So they're going to do this show, and 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 they drove to somewhere in New Jersey for a uh, a funeral or a, a memorial service for somebody that either worked at one of those networks, I don't know, ESPN, NFL Network, one of them. And uh, on the day that they were going to make their debut. So, and and Peyton had written something, I guess, because I guess this person passed away a while ago, but because of COVID, they couldn't have the service. So he had written something about her. And um, yeah, so he just, that's a special family. And, and uh, Peyton is known for, you know, all his handwritten notes and things that he sent to people through the years and just, just really thoughtful guy. And I love Eli. I think, you know, he's always, he's always good to, to listen to. And, uh, I think it's going to be fun as they go, you know, they'll iron out some kinks and as they go along, I think it'll be, it'll be, uh, a good alternative to just, you know, watching the traditional mm-hmm. broadcast. I so. love when ESPN does, I love the coach's room, like during the college football championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of those, you know, base, they do some of the stat cast on baseball games occasionally. Which are really uh-huh. good. Uh, uh-huh. Initially, I thought it was going to be too deep into the stats on those stat right. cast games, but actually, they're not. I mean, you know, they go through like you know some of the, and they'll teach you the stats along the way. Some, you know, but they don't get into the deepest, deepest stats that you know you just go blind looking at in baseball, right? Um, unless you're right. in the you know the actual baseball ops teams, then. But yeah, um, ESPN when they do those when they try those kind of things, it's really good. it usually turns out pretty good, and I like I like what they do. Hmm. Well, I'll definitely be watching. So, anyway, uh, it's been a great week. We got, of course, a uh, big week of college football. The Gators are going to be uh, hosting Alabama at the Swamp. That's going to be a good one. Be curious to see if they can keep that competitive, which quarterbacks play for Florida. Um, Florida State, I guess, they are uh, they got Wake Forest this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. They they need to bounce back in a big way. US, I mean, they, need, yep. they need to beat somebody. USF hosts FAMU. Yeah, that might be a win. Yeah, Auburn yeah. travels to a Big Ten team for the first time, I think, since 1931. Penn State, they head up to yeah. Happy Valley. I don't know if they're any good or not. Like I, I, I haven't watched Auburn in a minute, so I couldn't yeah. really tell you. So we'll I'm my, surprised. My alma mater is at Indiana. I'm surprised game days. Are you guys are Cincinnati? Is? Cincinnati's at Indiana. So. Okay. Any word on uh, on whether uh, Fickle is going to go to USC or are they still? I mean, so the athletic director at USC was the athletic director at Cincinnati who hired Fickle. Right. Well, great connection there, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't think he goes. Uh, The way it was summed up to me by someone who knows the Cincinnati program well Mm -hmm. says, I'm yet to meet anyone who's worked for Mike Bond that likes working for Mike Bond. Oh, really? Wow. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know if Luke liked it or not, but that was the mm. that was uh what someone close to the program has told me. Yeah. About him, so he's not he's not exactly the best guy to work for, apparently. Wow. Well that's disappointing. So. But it's still USC, so Yeah. And the football coach has a little more control than most other people that work for the athletic director. So Right. I mean Urban no, I mean, Urban said no way except what wasn't looking at the camera and wasn't really yeah, emphatic about it. It's just really hard. I mean, that you would miss out on too much as an NFL coach by the time the season's over. I don't know how anybody from the NFL unless they were just going to, you know, kind of mess up their NFL team. If Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, Petrino like or if Eric Bieniemy said, "You know what? I'm going to go take this job and Andy can call the plays." I mean, I guess I guess that could happen, but I don't I don't see it. I mean, it's more likely like a Bob Stoops would go there, right? Somebody that's not working at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's uh, it's not the job it once was, but there's a ton of kids right there. If you can keep them in L.A., man, they all there's like 12 quarterbacks that go around the country every year and end up starting for somebody. So well, we mentioned Penn State. James Franklin name gets thrown out all the time. And there's supposedly job. mutual interest. Like, which what's a better job? Do you think at this point, USC or Penn State? USC. Yeah, why? And here, because you don't have Ohio State in your division. Okay, so you, you think you can win? It's easier to win the Pac-12, and you can go to a national championship. Absolutely. I mean, there's three yeah. teams in college football that are practically unbeatable at this. Alabama, point. Clemson, Ohio State. Right, and you're. I mean, Penn State's in the Big Ten East. That's the second hardest division in football. Right. You know, you've got Michigan and Michigan State in that division, as well as Ohio State. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's Alabama, Auburn, LSU in the, in the SEC West. I mean, you know, yeah. that's the second toughest division in football. You know, you can beat Ohio State, but you're not going to beat them consistently at this point. Mm-hmm. You can own the Pac-12. I mean, I think USC is a better job. I don't know if I'd leave for it. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot well, of factors that go into it, but I mean – you know, USC, you can own you can own that conference. Penn State hasn't won a national title in a while, but I mean, think about I mean, Pete Carroll was the last USC coach I think that had a lot of success. That was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's been a minute. And um, I was listening. Sean Salisbury was on there saying that like you can't sell USC to kids anymore. Like they don't, they don't, they don't know what student body right is. You know. Um, Salisbury was saying, he goes, they can tell you what every combination of Oregon's uniforms are, but they have no clue what you're talking about. If you want to talk a tradition about the USC, you know, it's how can I get to the pros? Are we on television? You know, let's go, you know, like, you know, can we win a national championship? That sort of thing. So I don't know what kind of coach is going to come in and attract those guys, but you know, your job is going to be to keep players at home and they're going to need a dynamic coach to do that. So, you know, we'll see. Um, it was funny. I'm looking for a tweet from a couple of days ago. The funny thing about James Franklin is he's, you know, he's all every one of these coaching searches, he's always one of the candidates. Yeah, you know, leverage, he did, baby. He, he did a great job at Vanderbilt. He's done a good job at Penn State. But if you look at just the pure numbers, they comp- they compared two different coaches. It was a tweet that had, you know, these two say, coaches. Say which one it is, yeah. And it was, you know, winning percentage was about the same. One had a few more games than the other coach. Uh, number of championships was this, essentially the same. Yeah. Number of first round draft picks the same. Number da 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 da. Yeah. In, in between two coaches, it was like you know which one would you take, and 
One was James Franklin, and the other was Jim Harbaugh. And their numbers are almost (laughs) identical. Is that right? But it's amazing how they're viewed differently at this point. They are, yeah. I think Franklin's problem has been on the field. I think he can recruit. I think he knows how to build a program. I don't mind him representing or my son playing for him. But I've seen him make god-awful decisions on game day. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, fourth down, who to run, who not to run. Like, just things that have cost him probably some championships. But that's just my opinion of him. I I got nothing against the guy. If he, you know, I think it's leverage. I think all these guys are looking for the next challenge, you know. Um, Some just want to keep moving on. But he went from Vanderbilt to Penn State. If USC is a better job, I guess that's a that's a step in the right direction. So I don't know. It's going to be hard to get a pro coach. I know that because you know once once you go down that road, you're not coaching your team anymore. You might as well leave where you're at. Um, well, but they I mean they don't have to make a decision on that for a while. I mean it would still be before the end of the season, obviously. But yeah, but recruiting. I mean, you're still playing when they're recruiting, even if they named him like in December and stuff. Like you still got games to play usually and. You know that now you're now you're divided. Your loyalties are divided. We kind of saw. I mean, it was funny because Lane Kevin got the job at Tennessee. You know, in John Gruden's last year, and then but Monty started recruiting and was going to go on the staff. And you know, Gruden was furious. You know, suddenly the game plans weren't very good, and uh, and at one point he named uh, Raheem Morris the next year's um, defensive coordinator, just thinking that well maybe guys will listen to him since he's going to be the guy next year. But then. Next year, Raheem was actually the head coach because <laughs> John got fired. Didn't see that one coming. Still my favorite story where he calls his agent, Bob uh, Lamont. <laughs> Lamont Lamont has had, like has every other coach, right? He's, like There's a couple agents, Jimmy Sexton, Lamont. They pretty much split up all the coaches in the NFL and in college pretty much. So it was a busy time, and John called him. He goes, hey, Bob, I just got fired, man. And Lamont was like, John, don't. Don't mess with me, man. I got I'm I'm busy and he hung up on him. <laughs> Seriously, he thought he was just screwing when he hung up. And he had called him back and he goes, Hey man, it's job not kidding, man. I got fired. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, what? You what? He had to call him back. John, quit messing with me. He hung up. And he didn't say messing, but you get the idea. Yeah, well, so yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh That's hilarious. I hadn't heard that story before. It's great. It's just great. And Lamont told me that story. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I had that same reaction when I turned on my TV in Pittsburgh waiting for the championship game the next day that I never covered. And, uh, you know, Schefter was on NFL Network, man. Breaking news in Tampa, both John Gruden and Bruce Allen have been fired. I went, <gasps> I didn't breathe for like 12 seconds. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, what just happened? And then it was, then I was on the phone till 4 a.m., never went to bed, caught a 6 a.m. flight, got off the plane, and went straight on ESPN. They were asking me who the coach is. I'm like, oh, I can tell you who it's not. But, yeah, Raheem Morris. That was crazy. Anyway, um, should be an exciting weekend. Of course, we'll uh, we'll be all over the Bucks and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Rays continuing, you know, their progress to winning the AL East, or so it would appear, and We'll have all of that for you as long, along with all the college football, everything that happens over the weekend on Sports Day Tampa Bay on Monday. So for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 